We are downtown. We are historic. We are family. We are scriptural. We are First Baptist Church. This week for our reverse text, we are in First Chronicles 29. You'll notice the larger reading for the week was verses 1 through 19. In just a moment, we're going to read aloud verses 14 through 19 together. Now, the portion before we read um, this text this morning is the portion of the, the budget and the inventory, and we'll get to that in the sermon. But this portion that we're going to read aloud together is David's prayer. And as Israel brought in piles and piles of gold, David prayed. And notice the the beautiful nature and the deep theological nature of his prayer that he prayed over that offering that day. So let's stand together and we will read aloud 1 Chronicles 29, 14 through 19. This then is the text for today. But who am I and who are my people that we should be able to offer as generously as this? For all things come from you, and from your hand we have given you. For we are sojourners before you, and tenants, as all our fathers were. Our days on the earth are like a shadow, and there is no hope. O Lord our God, all this abundance that we have provided to build you a house for your holy name, it is from your hand and all is yours. Since I know, O oh my God, that you try the heart and delight in uprightness, I, in the integrity of my heart, have willingly offered all these things. So now with joy I have seen your people who are present here make their offerings willingly to you. O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, our fathers, preserve this forever in the intentions of the heart of your people, and direct their heart to you. And give to my son Solomon a perfect heart to keep your commandments, your testimonies, and your statutes, and to do them all, and to build the temple for which I have made provision. May God bless the reading of his word. So the first part of our reverse text this week is the ledger. It's the ledger that accounts for all the building materials, the ledger that accounts for the money and the resources that were brought in for Solomon to build the temple. And the ledger in this text is amazing. In fact, as you work down through the, the materials and the numbers, they are astronomical. In fact, you could get lost for hours working through all of the things that were brought in for the temple in this moment. And we're not going to do that. We're not going to get lost for hours in this. But we do need to take note because we're given specific figures to help clarify the situation. And so, first we have this inventory of materials that you, you saw there, gold, silver, bronze, iron, wood, onyx, precious stones, alabaster. These had, have been brought in, playing a, a specific role and to be created into something that, that would foster a holy space of worship on this earth. And then we get, we get to the budget, and the numbers for the budget are jaw-dropping. 
Now, let me first offer a disclaimer here. Because it's always difficult, and it's particularly difficult in this instance, to step back into history and try to assign a monetary value that translates well today. You know, we can easily be misled as we try to chase down figures and try to figure out what an ounce of gold was worth then versus what an ounce of gold is worth today. But we're going to consider what we have in front of us as best we can. So let's take the gold, for instance, and all the gold that was laid out for the temple that day. It says in verses 3 and 4 that David took out of, out of his personal stash, out of his pockets, per se, and, and he brings 3,000 talents of gold. Now, when we're first reading this, we don't know if that's a lot or a little or how, how much is that. And, and, and I will say... This is even more difficult as you read through the commentaries. Because as I was studying for this week, and, and this is literal, every commentary I read this week had a different figure uh, for the weight of a talent of gold and a different figure of, of uh, monetary value attached to it. They were all different. In fact, as you read through the commentaries, you'll see numbers that start at about $100 million that go all the way up to $10 billion with a B, right? So hundreds of millions to, to $10 billion, and it's somewhere in between. And so you get, you get lost. How can it be such a vast uh, discrepancy between these numbers? In fact, as you look through, one of the things you note that the weight of a talent of gold varied through time and varied through even through the days of Scripture. Sometimes a talent of gold weighed 58 pounds, and then all kinds of numbers all the way up to, at times, a talent of gold weighed 125 pounds. So that's a huge discrepancy in how much gold was brought in that day. Was it 58 times 1,000 or, 100, or 3,000, excuse me, or 125 times 3,000? You know, for modern reference, though, one of the commentaries in Naves, it, it actually said that if you had five talents of gold, you'd be a multimillionaire today. And so David brought in 3,000. You know, if you want me to guess, maybe it's 200,000 pounds of gold that just David brought in that day. Could be worth billions. But that's hard to relate to U.S. dollars today. You know, the same is true to all the leaders that came in that day. Verse 7 tells us all the leaders of Israel came in. They brought another 5,000 talents of gold plus more that was brought in. And, and so they're, they're, they're giving more than King David and laying it before God. And so, again, if we can take the liberty of placing a dollar figure on this, that we're probably into the billions. But let's not go too far down the road of modern equivalences the ancient weight of a talent or inflation or even as our text notes the price of gold in Ophir during the Davidic dynasty but even as we leave them there we we take note that these numbers were real to the ledger and that what we have here is a clear accounting of generational wealth that has brought in been brought in to build the temple and whatever the final dollar figures were, the, the ledger just loves it. The ledger loves bringing all of this in because it is just astronomical. The ledger loves to kind of bring it in and fill up those numbers. And what we note here is by any account, there's plenty of every resource for Solomon to now build the temple. But more remarkable than, than all of the numbers, so let's leave the numbers aside, 
More remarkable than the numbers is how David describes them. In fact, as you listen to King David as he prays over all of these piles of gold, he doesn't gush over the numbers as he prays. He doesn't, he doesn't look up to God and say, look at, look at all the things that we have done. Look at everything that we've brought in because that's the first inclination of our flesh. The first thing our flesh would do would say, look at me. Look at everything that we have brought out and laid before you, Lord. But that's not the purpose of this text. In fact, if you look through the second, this is not about David's wealth. This is not about the wealth of Israel's leaders, which must have been amazing. But this is a testament to the wealth of God. And David begins his prayer in adoration of the Lord. In fact, as he's describing these things, he's saying, God, all of this is yours, and all of this has been yours for generations. Since the creation of the earth, all of this was yours. And we start in verse 11. It's what David is praying. All of this is yours, God. Yours is everything in this earth, everything that is in it. And then we get down to verse 13 in our text for this week. Look with me, look with me at 1 Chronicles 29, 13. He says, now therefore, our God, we thank you and we praise your glorious name. What you see here is Israel has come together to bring in something equivalent to maybe billions of U.S. dollars today. And, and they, they stand there and they thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. They recognize it's a blessing for their hands to ever have touched this precious gold. And all that's been laid there was, it was a gift of God to them that they're able to give back. And, and David is praying this prayer of thanksgiving to God because God has allowed him to hold it for that time. You see the same kinds of things in verse 14, verse 16. David says, all is yours, everything in the earth is yours. See, when, when David and Israel gave that day. It came from a particular wisdom rooted in stewardship. The, the biblical principle of stewardship is, is a reminder that every single one of us are managers. We are not owners. Uh, think of it this way. Your, your house is not your own. Your car is not your own. Your bank account is not your own. Rather, these have been entrusted to you by God. And, and everything that you have been given has been entrusted to you by God to use for His glory and for His purposes. And so in this moment, as Israel came together, they came together giving and rejoicing because they're further participating in God's holy work, even as they give back to God that which is already God's. You see, this act of giving this huge sum of money was an act of worship that proclaimed God's sovereignty over every ounce of gold that will ever be mined in this world. So you take note here, as we look at Israel 3,000 years ago, th this example hasn't changed. This is the heart of why we give today. The cattle on a thousand hills are His. Every resource we have access to, all of them are His. You see, today in this country, we're in desperate need of this kind of financial wisdom of our reverse text. See, there's this biblical model for, for us to learn these lessons of theology and generosity, and, and it's bound up in the tithe and the offering. So, in generally, we separate these two out. So, the, the tithe first is the first 10% of everything goes to God. And then the offering is anything above the tithe on top of that. As we look, we've got, got some scriptures that will be on the screen here with you. That, that this tithe goes all the way back to Abraham, Genesis 14, 20. So they are Genesis 14, 20, and he blessed God most high, 
who has delivered your enemies into your hand, and he, Abraham, gave him a tenth of all. 430 years plus, but before the Mosaic law, Abraham gives 10% of his spoils of war to Melchizedek the high priest. But th the sentiment is the same. This was thanksgiving to God for being so faithful and generous to Abraham. And this is, this is what the, the Levitical laws, they're, they're written out of this same sentiment. The Israel is, is to bring the first 10% back to God, 10% of their livestock, 10% of their produce. And, and the purpose, get this, it wasn't to feed the priests. The purpose was to thank God for all God had given them because they recognized God has been so good to us. We show him, we understand, and we fear him, and we love him by bringing that first 10% to him. It was a moment of great thanksgiving and obedience to God. Look at how Deuteronomy describes it. This is Deuteronomy 14, uh, verse 23. You shall eat in the presence of the Lord your God and uh, at the place where he chooses to establish his name. The tithe of your grain, your new wine, your oil, the firstborn of your herd, your flock, so that, and, and mark that so that, because th there's intentionality here from the Scripture about what God is doing, so that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. So th this was a moment of, of learning and obedience that they would give back un unto God. Now, one of the things that we see here, so we, we recognize Abraham. We recognize David and those leaders in Israel at the time they were building the temple. And, and these are high moments of giving in the nation of Israel. But what we recognize is just like us and just like everybody else since then, Israel had major problems with their tithes and offerings too. So we, we just read about these great moments where they gave and God blessed them. But look, there were, there were moments where they tripped and fell, and, and there were times they didn't give. Let's look at Malachi 3.8. So in the, the post-exile, where Malachi is to come back to them and say, we, we are a people who love God and we give to God because he first gave to us. So this is Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? And yet you are robbing me. But you say, how have we robbed you? It's in your tithes and your offerings. And so you see th there were times where, where Israel was tight-fisted and wouldn't give back to God that which was God. But there were also times, too, where they fell in the other way, where they were giving, but, but the heart wasn't in it. In fact, we'll look at Matthew 23, 23. See, it can go the opposite way, too. You can give, and you can still falter. Jesus, Jesus challenges their giving. Here, he, he's challenging the scribes and the Pharisees in Matthew 23, 23. Woe to you, you scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tithe mint, dill, and cumin. So you see what he's saying here? You're tithing of your produce, even the smallest things, like the herbs in your herb garden, you're tithing on those things. But you've neglected the weightier provisions of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. But these things you should have done without neglecting the others. So w without giving, I mean, you, you should keep giving, but you should also be doing these other things, justice and mercy and faithfulness, and you've lost that. You've lost the heart of giving because here this is about a relationship with the Lord. Th this is about you being molded into the men and women that God has called you to be. And so Jesus is challenging him here. See, because the purpose matters. You know, there, there are some today who preach that if you give God money, then he's going to give you more money in return. But that's, not, that's not the purpose either. That, that's not what we're doing. That's not why we give. That's not, we not, that's not why we give tithes and offerings. The, the purpose of our tithes and offerings are to thank God for, for what we have. 
and everything that he's been giving, given us to steward. We, we praise him for that, and we learn to fear him. We learn to recognize that he is the owner and we're the manager, and so we give. We, we give faithfully and obediently because that's what our Lord taught us to do. Now, what you recognize is this doesn't look right to the ledger. In fact, the, the ledger uh, begins to whisper things to you. The ledger begins to whisper things like, well, if everything is already God's and everything already belongs to God and Jesus has already come and the Holy Spirit's already come, and so why can't you just keep what God has given you? Why wouldn't we just keep all of it? You know, sometimes uh, the ledger whispers things through others too. You know, sometimes people ask me about pastor's tithing. You know, and I don't, I don't know about any others, but, but Amy and I tithe. But the question always comes back, well, that doesn't make any sense. It's almost like the, the ledger is whispering. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You get paid by the church, and they pay you this much, and then you give 10% back to the church, and it just, there has to be an easier way from an accounting perspective to get that done. But, but what we recognize, tithing is not a financial transaction, right? This, this is not about dollars and cents. This isn't about the money. This is about the heart. And this is about what God is doing in you and what God's doing in us. Tithing is an act of faithful obedience unto God, recognizing he's blessed us. He's blessed us greatly, and we still have a lot to learn about fearing him. You see, we still have a lot to learn about fearing the Lord, especially in this country, and him telling us, you are not the owner. Nothing in your possession is yours, but we are thankful stewards. Thankful stewards that, that bring back 10% as acknowledgement of God's greatness. You know, it may be more helpful to think of it the, in the opposite way, that God lets us to continue to steward 90%. You see, what we have is a gift of God. It's here today, and it can be gone tomorrow. If God sees fit, he could take it all away right now. And even if he does, we'll continue to thank him for what we do have and give our tithe of what's left. You know, what's amazing about this scene in today's Reverse text is there, there are people here just rejoicing and being able to give. And, and seemingly, they're giving above and beyond the tithe. This, this is more. This is, this is what the Old Testament often calls a free will offering. So the tithe has brought, already been brought in. This is the free will offering on top of it. The tithe was the minimum. And so we always continue to give above as God calls us to. Let me give you an example like with the rich young ruler. You know, when it comes to this moment where, where Jesus is teaching the rich young ruler, Jesus essentially says, you have to give 100%. Because that was the lesson that young ruler needed to learn that day from the Lord. And I want you to recognize something in that as Jesus looked at that guy and said, hey, you've, you've got to give 100% back. Th that's the beauty of meeting and knowing the Lord Jesus Christ. Because what happens when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ is he's going to give you truth and, and he's going to mold you and shape you in ways you never could have gotten to on your own. Because what we recognize is, is we, we are fallible. In fact, we, we trip up all the time. And when we're caught up in ourselves, we don't know what we're doing. And in fact, we fail miserably at this life. But what Jesus does when you come into a relationship with the Christ, he, he, he brings the truth into your life and he builds you up into something holy. And he will give you everything that you possibly need. And he'll wrap you up in his arms and he will make everything right. He will heal your heart. He will heal, heal your life and he will give you everything 
And so that's why we come to him and we listen to him and we obey him because we know Jesus is going to make things right. And he's going to fill our heart with that which is good. And so he's going to shape us into the men and women that we're called to be. Just like he was doing for that rich young ruler that day when he said, you need to give everything. You know, sometimes people think, you know, Jesus did that so we can, we can pay the pastor or, or did that so we can keep the lights on around here or we do that so, so God will give us more in the long run or, or even more noble, we, we have great ministries around the city that, you know, we give so we can, we can feed the, the hungry. And, and while on some level those things happen, that's not why we give. That's not the heart of it. We give because we are obediently following Jesus Christ. We, we give because we recognize that we're stewards, not owners. We give because we're learning to be the men and women that God has called us to be. And so with that, we're going to follow Jesus wherever he leads us. And when he tells us to give, we're going to give. When he tells us to go, we're going to go. When he tells us to sit, we're going to sit. Whatever Jesus tells us to do, that's what we're going to do. And we're going to follow him all the way home. Let's pray together. Lord, we're, th we're thankful for your word and the challenge that your spirit has brought before us this morning. Lord, we pray that you would continue to, to shape our hearts, to mold and fashion us into something holy. Because, Lord, we, we want to be yours. We want to be faithful. We want to be obedient. We want to be doers of the word. And so, Lord, we cry out to your spirit to say, come, teach us and guide us and show us a way forward that we might live this life and live it abundantly. Lord, that we would know your grace. We would know the joy of, of the freedom of your forgiveness. Lord, that, that we be a people that just rejoice for being in the kingdom of God. And it's in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Baptist Church has been broadcasting its services of new life and historic faith for 46 years. We would like to ask that you continue to pray with us for this ministry and also for your financial support so that we can continue this ministry for years to come. Thank you.